There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi guys, this is Claire Kramer, aka the Great Glorificus, and you are listening to the Buffy Back Issue Bed. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Bed, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. You have to get closer to the mic. Well, there's a cat on me. Yeah, he's problematic. He's also mad at me, so. <clears throat> it's because he stepped on him. It's his own fault. In the dead of the night. It was dark. <laughs> and he ran in front of me and then stopped. We are doing our penultimate season 10 Buffy episode. I was going to say, it's not our penultimate Buffy episode. Season 10 one. All right, I believe that. I mean, as far as we know, we will never have a penultimate show as long as these comics keep coming out. For this volume, script top to bottom is by Christos Gage. Art for issues one and two is by Rebecca Isaacs. And three through five is by Megan Levins. I don't know. Not a lot to say, I guess, going into it. So let's just do it. Yeah. We open up in pieces on the ground, seeing pieces of demons on the ground. It's, you know, it's very apropos. And Buffy and Spike are in bed watching the news on their computer with a funnel cameo. Who's the cameo? Graham. That's Riley's initiative buddy, Graham. Oh my gosh. From seasons four, like two episodes of season five. Oh. What up, Graham? Been a while. Hey, Graham. Do you know what I was sad to see? Spike's black fingernails. I like to pretend that whenever this came out, like last year. Yeah, not that long ago. That the black fingernails were no longer a part of his life. This came out about two years ago now. Okay, still. But yeah, way too late. And we're going to talk about the timeline in this arc because yeah, we'll just have to deal with it head on. Either way, he should not still have black fingernails. But yeah, basically, Graham, our old buddy Graham, is saying that there have been attacks from giant demons all around the world. We see like a giant centipede going around like the leading tower of Pisa and the whole world's being destroyed because of the restless door and they're using it to just open up a bunch of portals. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that he mentions Hellmouth, saying that it's not where you'd expect the demons to be because they're not at Hellmouth. And I guess I just didn't ever realize how much civilians actually knew about this world. <laughs> they do now. They do now. It's all common knowledge, I guess. But they're interrupted by a doorbell. Oh, it must be the delivery Buffy ordered. Yes. And I guess the delivery that Buffy ordered was her old one-night stand satsu. Yeah, I guess it's not even like, I don't know, <laughs> one-night stand is, I guess, your best option. Two-night stand, actually. Oh, okay. Two-night stand. It just doesn't have quite as good of a ring to it. Which is... Her ex-lover. Okay, anyway, moving on, which is great timing because Buffy and Spike were just discussing how they weren't really equipped to deal with the demon situation, with the sheer number of demons that the Restless Door has been bringing through. So a good thing that Buffy's ex-lover showed up because she's a slayer. Can you say it more weirdly? Lover. I'm also vaguely, it just reminds me of an old SNL sketch with Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch. They played just a couple who were in a hot tub and were way too open about their sexuality. Just would call each other lava. It's hilarious and very uncomfortable. There's a moment in 30 Rock where Alec Baldwin uses the word lover. And Tina Fey says that that word bums her out unless it's between the words meat and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really with her on that. And Satsu asked if Spike knows about their little tryst together. And Spike comes out and he's like, yep, know all about it. Want to hear stories. Yeah. And <laughs> I really enjoy that Satsu says, you both seem so cool and mysterious when we met. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of a soap opera like they're, you are. They're not. They're not. But Buffy's like, so last I knew you were in Japan. Why are you just dropping by my door unannounced and unexpected? And Satsu points at Buffy and goes, I want you to Join the U.S. Army, or to help the U.S. Army. Close enough. She Uncle Sam's that. She does. Farewell, Cap. No. Not very far. Okay, he sat down. <laughs> Great. 
And Buffy's reaction is, yeah, no. Yeah, she's like, the army. You mean the same U.S. army that we fought against in Tibet? Which, the same U.S. army that killed us? Yeah, we were literally in a war with them two Not years ago. Not that long ago, yeah. Or seasons, because, hey, the timeline, we'll get there. Or back in the early 2000s when the initiative was around, you know, my favorite people. Right. And Satsu's like, well, all the people that organized all of that stuff are either dead or in jail, so no big deal. And everyone's on board for it. Kennedy's there. I'm there. Riley's there. We all like the army now. Um, I really enjoyed Spike's little interruption here, and he goes, Finn's much less one for crossing moral lines than we are. I shall now step back and pretend I didn't say anything. Yeah, because Buffy's just... Speaking of side-eye... Yes. Actually, that's a full-on, like, straight glare. Yeah, that's the stink eye. That's a side-eye. So's that. Good. So good for an audio medium. Just point at pictures and say, that one. That, that one. one. That one's side-eye. The audience can imagine what side-eye looks like. They're very smart. And Satsu shows Buffy some images that haven't been released on the news for how bad the carnage is from the demons attacking all over the world. She says, fine, she'll at least have a meeting. The government can ask Buffy if she can go on missions, but she won't officially work for them. And Satsu's like, cool, great, that's awesome to hear. Uh, one more thing. You also need to get the vampires to join the military. Which, you know, is a little weird because she's the vampire slayer, but whatever. Not the vampire recruiter. That would be such a different show. Buffy the Vampire Recruiter. No, that's what those other three were in that Angel Side book. In the Angel book that we just read yesterday. Oh, yeah. Two days ago? Yeah, there we go. Don't know their names. One of them was Blythe. We just called them the bad bitches. One of us called them that. Let's not, <laughs> it didn't bother let's not wrap names. up both of us in there. <laughs> but basically, the idea is that Buffy is the evil that the vampires know. And that these demons coming in from other dimensions are ruining the world. And hey, turns out vampires live in the world, too. Yeah, and so the demons are going to make it miserable for everybody, including the vampires, especially with the new celebrity status they have thanks to Harmony. Speaking of. Speaking of whom? There's someone that they need to parlay this with. Yes, leaders of both the old vampires and the new vampires. Which happens to be Harmony at VampCon. Yeah, with her puppies. There's a con for vampires now. Yeah. The cons for everything. So bitter. And for the new vampire representation, we have Vicky. The vampire. Yes. I enjoy alliteration. The one that, uh, that's the same vampire that Buffy had a truce with at the beginning And then of this they did it. Yeah. To fight against the Zombies. zompires. Miss those guys. Do you? Yeah, why not? Does anybody? I like the idea. Okay. And Spike and Buffy arrive by helicopter and Harmony arrives by unicorn. As one does. She's so excited to see them, and Spike's, you know, kind of mad at her, and Harmony's like, why? Why are you mad? We got unicorns out of the last time we met. The best thing ever. Yeah. I do like the unicorns. I would like a unicorn. And, oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, or one of the new creatures in Star Wars. I'll take either one. One of those, like, goat horses or cow horses? The dog horses? Whatever they were. Those yes. cows. Yeah. Yes. Or... They're not cows! Nobody wants a cow! <laughs> you had a cow. Quite literally. His name was Meatloaf. <laughs> And Vicky goes to Satsu, she says, hey, we agreed no military, so get on your chopper and airwolf out of here. I don't think that's a real word. You don't know what airwolf is? No. Oh. If that face is telling you that it's not a word that I want to know. No. I guess you're just not up on your 1980s television about military helicopters. No. Not okay. so much. Okay. I don't remember the last time I watched TV. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Me neither. Satsu, much like you, doesn't get the airwolf reference. No. And she just flies away. So meanwhile, they're all hanging out in Harmony Suite while she takes a bubble bath. And everybody's like parlaying around her in her bubble bath. That seems awesome. Basically, it comes down to that if the vampires as a whole are going to team up with the military and the slayers, 
then they need to have something. A tradition as old as time. What might that be? Trial by combat, yo. And Buffy says, I thought you just stole that from Game of Thrones. Fair. <laughs> yeah, no. It's Spike gets all the way. like, the slow writing Pratt stole it from us. Okay. When did that show come on the year 2011? But the books came out a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, but no one ever referred to them as Game of Thrones back then. Uh, throughout this arc, we're just, you know, I've always tried to maintain a slight time when there's been a few things that don't quite line up. But there's just too much in these things, which annoys me to no end. I don't mind if you say that when this is released, you know, this came out in 2015, 2016, I don't remember. Say that it's that. That's fine. But if you're going to do that, these weren't originally comic book characters. You need to play with the age. Like, it would be interesting to have, you know, Buffy who started out as a teenager when she met Angel and Spike, and now she's physically older than them. If you go by that, then Buffy would be in her late 30s now. And Spike and I Angel. You mean, like, how Sarah Michelle Geller is in her late 30s? Eh, uh, she might be she 40 She might be 40. Well, she but was, still, uh, that same idea. Yeah, she was only two years older than Buffy was. Yeah. She had the smallest age gap. Everyone else was much older. Yeah. But if you're going to do the age thing, do the age thing. Don't pretend there's still 20-somethings that just haven't aged in 15 years. Right. If it's like having your cake and eating it, too. It just always pulls me out so fast. I don't like it. And I also don't mind them aging. If you have them age in real time, just have them age in real time. Have them deal with issues that, like, late 30-somethings would be having, not the same crap. Even we're going to see that Dawn's, like, in her, doing her college studies now. So she'd be, like, mid-30s. Is she still doing an undergrad? Mm-hmm. No, it's and still hanging out with like people that age. Like you can have people in your mid thirties getting their undergraduate degree, but you don't see them hanging out with all the cool kids. Right, and I guess the confusing part to me is that in the TV seasons, each season was was a year. It was basically a year. And even season eight, they have a line that's kind of identified season eight as a year, even though it took four years. But now they've just been making so many references that none of it lines up. So the short answer is pick they one. Could have just said a song of ice and fire. Yeah. Is that what it is? Or is it fire yeah. and ice? Ice and fire, I think. Yeah, but we're going to get stuff in here later about, like, dating apps and swiping left and a few other odds and ends where it's like, you know, you kind of have to throw in the towel and say, no, the timeline just doesn't work. Or everyone suddenly just magically stopped aging. Hey, you know, if there was a book in which that happened, hashtag Sophie and Lavinia. Anyway. So, anywho, now that I've gotten that off of my chest... They Did you? I feel like it's going to come up again later oh, on. Oh, it will. Okay, great. Until we get to Grinder, Because that just kills it. I can't be like, yeah, you know, when that existed in like the late, like the early aughts. The late, whatever. In uh, in Britain, they call it the naughties. Yeah. Isn't that funnier? Um, Did you enjoy that? So it's going to be a one-on-one fight. Buffy will go up against a vampire. Spike will go up against a vampire. That doesn't really make sense because Spike is a vampire and if he's supposed to be teaming up with the Slayers. It doesn't really whatever. make any sense. Also, it doesn't make any sense because they're going to have one champion from the old vampires and one champion from the new vampires, but it just, it just, whatever. whatever. They, they fight, and it's more here for dramatic purposes. But, who is our MC at this Vegas, we're in Vegas, by the way, who is this MC at our Vegas boxing style event? Clem. I couldn't remember the name of the, I love the guy. Clem as a No, with that, I just can't remember MC. the Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy's name. Oh, I no idea what his name He's is. He's super rich from a few words, at least that man. I can see that. One of my students had a dream the other day that I was Vanna White on Wheel of Fortune. Anywho. So Clem announces Buffy. He's doing all this trash yeah. talking. And then he kind of covers him like He's like, sorry, you know, we have to play it up. You're the heel here in front of all the vampires. I love that there has to be, you know, the face of the heel and the Buffy has to be the villain. I didn't know what any of those words were, but I really enjoyed Clem. <laughs> okay, cool. That's what I got out of it. And Clem introduces the 480-pound vampire that Buffy will be fighting, Golgotha. 
And I read this, I'm like, that name sounds so familiar. I'm like, oh my gosh, did you actually say that? Yeah. That's so funny. Why? Wait, do you know why it's familiar? Through pop culture. Yeah? What do you think it is? The hill on which Jesus died. It's named Golgotha. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a pop culture reference, really. Well, in Dogma, the shit demon that rolled there off of There we go, there we go. I was like, hey, you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know my Bible, but I know my... You don't know your Bible. I know my poop demons. And I feel like Golgotha means, like, place of the skull. I could be wrong on that one. Whatever. Whatever. He's not a poop demon, and he's not a Jesus, but he is a giant vampire. It's a hill. It's the name of the hill. Anyway. A Jesus hill. Wow. And, you know, there's no real point in just talking about the Buffy side of it. Look, she's fighting a vampire. Visually, it's fine. It's interesting. I actually really like one of the hits that she does, like, stabbing him through the kidney and kicking him simultaneously. It's a fun time. But the real drama is happening from the box seats. Um, just so we're clear, Harmony is wearing a tiara during this whole endeavor, and I enjoy that. And she has a glass of wine or blood. Maybe both. What happens if you mix them? It would be a cocktail at that point, wouldn't it? I guess. The vampires would enjoy. Bloody Mary. And Harmony just starts goading Spike. She's like, oh, I see you're finally with the Slayer for real this time. She's like, so one of your unrequited loves finally requited? Yeah. Spike's like, shut up, I hate you. And she's like, no, I think it's great. I mean, how long before you think that it falls apart? One month? Two months, maybe? Well, no, she has a line. This is, um, Harmony actually uses a line that the Master said when Darla introduced Angelus to him. Like, Master beat up Angel a bit, and then he's like, come on, Darla, come with me. I'll give you that room with a view that you always love instead of living under here in the stores. He's like, oh, you're going off with the rogue, aren't you? And Darla runs away, and with his kind of mouthful of vampire teeth, he's like, I'll give it a month, tops. Excuse me? Was that was that your master impression? I was just trying to do a guy with a lot was of things in his mouth. Was that your Sean Connery impression? Actually, it was kind of Sean it Connery. It was the same one that you do for Sean Connery. <laughs> what was that? That was Sean Connery lightly moaning. <laughs> if I ever do an impression, I have to do like a mild moan of the voice before I could go into it. You know, the guy that's okay to occasionally hit women. Wow. Moving on. Sean Connery. I didn't do it. One time you brought that up in a crowded elevator. Okay. Do you not remember this? No. It was weird. It was the weirdest time you could have had. And Harmony basically gives Spike the same lines that Angel gave to Willow. That, you know, Spike is going to put Buffy up on this big pedestal, thinks that she's going to solve all of his problems until she can't. And then Spike is going to lash out at her until she breaks up with him, making it her fault. And Spike's like, no, never done things like that. I wouldn't do that. Meanwhile, Buffy's fighting and it's not looking great. I mean... It's not looking terrible, but just... They're both getting their licks in, and Buffy gets the final lick by staking him. Yes, yeah, she ends up breaking his nose, and then while he's down, she jumps on him. And stakes him good. Yes. So now Spike's in a little mood, a little bit of an upset ninny. And so he goes off to go fight his demon. Meanwhile, Buffy comes back, and instead of chatting with Harmony, she chats with Vicky. And Vicky just tries to do what Harmony did. She's like, oh yeah? How's your vampire relationship going in Buffy's like it's fine shut up it's not gonna work on me you guys are idiots why did you get Spike all around if he's just gonna kill your demon faster now and Vicky goes oh so how is that going with Spike oh look at how angry he is you're right we did rile him up he's more monster than he is man blah 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 you're the kind of gal who wants to ha- who wants what you can't have and gets bored of what you can am I right lucky for you there's an easy out just pretend to be all shocked when he starts acting like what he is Say he's evil, stab him, and send him to hell. That's what she did with Angel. Sent him to hell. Weird. And stabbed him. With a sword, though. Yeah. It wasn't very fatal. No. Vicky's wearing evening gloves, too. They're very formal. Yeah, she is. You know, I never liked that whole Angel goes to hell thing, because just for a timeline where it's like, oh, he spent hundreds of years in hell, but then whenever they, like, cite his age, they would always go with, like, the calendar year. Like, what about those extra few hundred? They don't count. Okay. We're going Earth years. Hmm, sure. You don't even like math. (laughs) 
And then Buffy, despite saying that she wasn't going to get riled up, gets riled up. And then... Is about to attack Vicky when Spike walks in. He's like, yeah, let's let's just go. So they hop on Airwolf and leave with Satsu. Meanwhile, Harmony and Vicky have a nice high five. Like, yeah, we put doubt into their minds. Woohoo! I feel like Harmony's not that clever. Yeah, I also feel like they're just doing on it. On the other hand, Harmony is still like an 18-year-old high school girl, so I guess she was, still, she was a super catty one at the time, too. Yeah. Maybe she has it in her. I feel like they're just... Like, they have no real... Objective other Objective than. <laughs> other than just to be annoying. Yeah, like let's screw them. Yeah. And as I said earlier, they airwolf their way out of there. You're just going to say that a bunch? That can be the title of our episode? Airwolf? Airwolf, I guess. Airwolf. Kind of fun to say, airwolf. Like werewolf with an accent. Airwolf. Airwolf. I don't know what accent. Airwolf. Their castle. And Satsu's like, hey, you guys okay? And Buffy and Spike are both kind of like, yeah, everything's fine. We're not questioning our relationship and decision-making skills or anything. Yeah. And they fly off directly into the sunrise, so I guess Spike's dead. I'm gonna go with, it's a fancy military-grade helicopter that has that special glass. No, Spike's dead now. No, he's not dead, because you turn the page and he's still there. Yeah, somehow. Look, he's right there, he's in a bar now. And while they're questioning their relationships, the next night, Spike goes to a bar to meet a woman. Yeah. None other than Dylan. Is this the reason that that Spike book has to be in there? Yes. That was really unclear. I'm so sorry, listener. This is the reason that that Spike graphic novel that we read a million years ago about boots <sighs> yeah. is canon. It wasn't good. That was really terrible. Then we start our second issue with Willow kind of going through a walkthrough of her new job with Theo Daniels, the guy who started that social media network, Tin Can, last season. Also for all of Willow's like, I can wear whatever I want. I can be as hippie as I want. Because this place is like super chill. She's, She's in a pantsuit. Yeah, she looks very professional. Which I really enjoy. And he mentions that they're working with the government now. Oh, by the way, this is a week ago. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That would really help with the story. And so they walk Willow into the war room. So Willow walks into the war room and she is immediately greeted by a wall of TVs and media and basically just a command center. Yeah, and it's showing all the terrible demon things that are happening all at once. And she is greeted by a woman named Lake Stevens, Department of Defense and affiliated with the United Supernatural Combatant Command. And Willow goes, yeah, you know that acronym says you suck, right? She goes, we have more important things to deal with than our acronym. You suck. And so they go back, and basically we find out that Kennedy has been working with this group and everybody that they can pull together because basically the whole world is banding together against these demons that keep cropping up everywhere. Including the Magic Council. So DeHoffrin's just hanging out in this war room. Yeah. Which is really weird. I feel like... I feel like Willow would have noticed them. Yeah, just a stack of colorful demons standing in the corner. A stack of them? They they stand on top of each other. They're a totem pole. Oh, okay, cool. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> and they're like, all right, let's get to work, Willow. She's like, I don't know. Um, I need to run this by Buffy. She might not agree with it. And Lake just goes, look, you know, try us out for a week. See what you think. We could really use your help immediately. You could save a lot of lives. And saving lives is... A pretty quick in with Willow. Yeah. Cutting back to the present, where Spike and Dylan are getting a drink at a bar. Spike's like, so, uh, what you doing here? Gonna be up front. I'm in a relationship. And, and Dylan just laughs at Dylan him. Dylan has the best reaction. Yeah, she, I'm sorry, but you really think that I'm so needy that I'd uproot my life just to chase a guy I knew for, like, two days? And she's like, oh my god, you did And Spike's like, no, shut up. I'm cool and desirable. Okay, so here's the thing. That graphic novel came out... 
maybe a year before this, maybe two. I'm not even going to give it the credit of two. But it hadn't been out for that long, so Dylan was still unfortunately fresh in the mind when this issue came out. But that graphic novel places that back in 2003. Mm. Not even, it'd be 2002, because it said the beginning of season seven, even though it would have had to have been the latter third. Yeah. Not going back into that again. We already did that once. So it's even weirder, because again, playing with the timeline, this book apparently wants to take place in 2016, so she waited 13 years to hunt him down? Yeah, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any amount of sense in my eyes. And she does give a reason why she found him out after all this time, but still. Basically, um, she apologizes for running away 13 years ago. Again, this is an audio medium, so only I can see the exasperated expression on your face. I hope I emoted it. Probably. Yeah. And she mentions, like, you know, I had a crush on you for the whole two days that I knew you, and I was ready to run away with you, but when I saw your vampire face, I was really scared, and, you know, I've really had to evaluate my life since then, and realizing that, like, by judging, I saw you on the news fighting demons, because, you know, you've been on the news a bunch of the last couple of years, and you helped me realize who I was somehow. Okay, so here's my thing. Dylan doesn't ever have a normal conversation with Spike throughout this entire time that we see her. Yeah. There's never, like, casual discussion or like hey what's up with you like funny opener something other than i don't know she feels very much like nadira almost in her like i'm going to big dramatic talk yeah have big dramatic talk here and let me tell you about how much you changed my life she realized that she was just transferring this onto spike with the idea of wanting to run away with him after like two days just because she wanted to escape her own life which all makes sense. It just is a very big thing to say. And then Spike doesn't really say anything back either. I guess it was just the weird part to me. Yeah, he just gets another drink. He's like, all right, so more alcohol? Sounds great. And she's like, hey, by the way, um, I have a gallery opening. Now I'm a starving artist. If you want to come check out my first gallery, that would be super duper. And Spike agrees to that. And they toast. Following the next morning, Willow comes clean to Buffy. Dun, dun, dun. But it's after Willow comes clean to Buffy after Buffy has already been approached by the military and all that. Just so yeah, we're like clear. Yeah, like Satsu is... Come and gone. Yeah, we, we, we just talked about that an issue ago. Yeah. 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 And Buffy just... She's like, you know, you've been working with them and you didn't say anything to me? And Willow's like, yeah, I said that I would keep quiet for a week and only one week and now I'm telling you. Buffy's like, you were working with the military behind my back. She's like, you just agreed to work with Satsu. She's like, oh yeah, well, you're on their payroll. She's like, you introduced me to the guy who signs the checks, Theo Daniels. And Buffy's like, shut up. You have to quit the military. Yeah, and she goes, so are you are you really still thinking about this? And Willow goes, I'm not thinking about it. I am doing this. Buffy is so huffy. Huffy Buffy. <laughs> say it. It's fun to say. Huffy Buffy. I'll never say Huffy Buffy. Isn't it fun to say? And Willow's like, yeah, you need to get over this whole we fought against the military thing. Literally everyone we know but you is now working with them for the overall good of the world. Yeah, and she's like, look, a lot of people died. It was really terrible. But I had to put myself not first in this. I could not think about my own personal vendetta and think about the safety of hundreds of thousands of other people. And Buffy goes, very sadly, turns her head, starts to shed a tear. She goes, I keep thinking about Sabira. Remember her? One of the new Slayers? She grew up under the Taliban. Wasn't even allowed to go to school. You know what, Buffy? No. I don't remember her because she wasn't a f***ing character. You're just making up this sad sob story on the spot. I'm sure Buffy isn't, but it was never part of the books. True. She was so happy to have somewhere to belong where she could fight for the things that mattered with sisters who valued and cared about her. I held her hand while she died from a gunshot in Tibet. A bullet fired from the people you're now working for. Wow. Yeah, no, um, 
some fun revisionist history. Yeah, and I get why Buffy's upset. I really do. But I this story's. I don't like this. Why add something? You could come up with something real. Also, I don't know. It does feel like it does feel like everybody forgave the military very quickly. But also, I don't know. I just I feel like Buffy is being a tad too dramatic for the situation. And Willow goes, I remember. I could never not remember. You're doing a much better job than me. Yeah. With this fictional character. I guess this is a fictional world, but you know what I mean. I do. Plenty of other people died. Yeah. And Buffy leaves the apartment and goes back to Spike and Xander's apartment. A.K.A. across the hall. Yeah. It's unclear how much Buffy is in her own apartment. I think she mostly just sleeps over with Spike. Or does Spike sleep over with her? It's usually in Spike's bed, where the cats are. Oh, I like the kitten. So what's the point of them not living together? They literally live across the hall from each other. Well, it's like Chandler and Monica. I suppose. It's more like friends yet again. And Buffy's talking to Spike about this. She's more talking at Spike about this. Yeah. She doesn't really want Spike's opinion. She just wants to vent. Yeah, she's like, is Willow right? Am I being selfish and stupid? And then she picks up a brochure off the table. You know, the one for Dylan's art gallery. And Spike's like, oh yeah, right, that thing. Um, friend of mine wants me to go to her gallery. And Buffy's like, you have a friend. And... No, she says, like a normal person friend. Yeah, I didn't know you had those. Buffy's like, let's go and show her support. And Spike, and Spike goes, right, well, the thing is, ain't like she's an old girlfriend per se, but you know what, Spike, she's not. You knew her for two days. You kissed her once in 2003. You're fine. Don't worry about it. But instead... It's a thing for some reason. It's a thing. And Spike even... Okay, I gotta give Spike some credit here. He tries to even make it better. Like, he's like, look, you're right. I should have told you about it because it is weird to not tell you about it. And I don't know. I just... I've just been overthinking things, and I just wanted to make sure that I handled the situation right. And Buffy goes, you have to handle me? And I'm like, Buffy. In all fairness, we're really focusing on the wrong details here. Not that Spike kissed a girl back in 2003 that he might go the to, like... the amount of side-eye in this page? No. <laughs> they, he might go to a gallery. It's that he secretly went out for a drink with her. That's the real issue. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, the whole real issue here is that, I don't know, everything. They're a mess. The soap opera is being soap opery. I do like the Buffy's like, I don't care. Like, she is an old girlfriend. In the past few months, we've worked with, like, three of my exes. Fair. And she's like, you don't have to handle me. Just first and foremost, be my friend. And Spike tells her that that's easy enough. And Buffy being the sad sack she is. Yeah, you'd think, right? They're all sad sacks. Who is happy? Ever. And while they're having an argument and making up, Willow is working late in the war room with a continuity error. Hooray! Hooray for continuity! Oh my goodness, I don't know. Willow is working late with Lake. I almost called her Blake. Weird. Whatever. With Lake. And Willow goes, well, I feel like an idiot. I've studied both code and magic most of my life and never thought about putting them together before. Except for that time in season six when you did just that right before the whole like magic, when you were like the whole addiction metaphor was happening and she made her stupid Apple laptop glow and did it quicker that way on the internet. Yeah. So she has done this in the past. Just not to this scale. If anything, she seemed to be more effective back then. She did things a lot quicker. You were better at magic back then. If we're calling this 2016, then she was really good at it 15 years ago in 2001 when that happened. I'm a stickler for details. You are a stickler for details. Mostly in Buffy, though. Yeah. And Will's like, I can wrap up here if you want to go home to whoever. Which is the weirdest way of saying that. You could have just said, if you want to go home, full stop, end of sentence. Yeah. And like, just says that she's single 
because her ex-girlfriend left her and she didn't notice for three days. <gasps> and then she Information her, drop. She puts her hand on top of Willow's on the keyboard. Yeah, Willow says, I'm sorry to bring up a painful subject. Gently puts her hand on her. She goes, you didn't. You don't need to do that. That's weird. Sorry. See, it's just as weird in real life. Smash cut. Not really a smash cut, but I like saying smash cut. But Lake and Willow are out on a date. And Lake is very dressed up. I was going to say, Lake is like, far more like, fancy. Fine. Yeah, Willow looks nice. But Lake is wearing like this long black, long black backless dress. I call it a blackless dress. I'm like, no, that dress is nothing but black. There's just not a back on it. And now Lake starts giving Willow unsolicited life advice. Yeah, starts. You just met like seven seconds ago. Starts laying some truth bombs. Is that what we're calling these? I don't know. And Willow's like saying that her and Buffy have been kind of fighting a lot lately. And Lake goes, look, you guys have been friends since high school. I'm not friends with any of my friends from high school. You get older, priorities change. Your memories can still be there and everything can still be good. But it could be that you're moving further away from her. If you think that helping us is the right thing to do, then it might be the right thing for you to do. But maybe not her. And Willow is like, I don't, I don't think that could be true. I don't think that Buffy and I could really not be together. You know what, Lake? I disagree with you. I still ride with my day ones, and I am too old to make new friends. Okay, you're not even 30. I don't want to make new friends. I was your last new friend that you made. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. I don't want to make new friends. That's really true, though. I know, it's fi- I'm fine with that. I've known the same people for a really long time. I make new friends all the time. I don't want to. I make new friends all the time. Quite literally. It's pretty fun. I'm against what Lake is saying here. I don't want to have to make friends as I get older. Oh my gosh. You sound like you're 87. 29. By the time this comes out, I'm almost 30. By the time it comes out, you're going to be like 29 plus two weeks from now. Three weeks. Ooh. So January. Oh, I guess you will be close. Anyway. Anyway, so the waiter... Oh, story structure comes up, goes, ladies, have you decided? And then Willow side-eyes. And looks away. Has Willow decided? Dun-dun-dun. It wasn't, you do it a lot, but, you know, save it for dramatic moments at least. Mm, it's too much work. <laughs> so, we cut to the art gallery, and we're all looking around, and Dylan's art is lovely. Also, Dylan calls Spike William the entire time. I forgot about that. Yeah, and Dylan and Buffy meet, and she's like, oh, it's so lovely to meet you. The entire time I've known William, he's either been talking about you or brooding about you. Didn't you know him for two days? Two, you even mentioned that it was a weekend. Wasn't even a long weekend. <laughs> it wasn't even the Friday night of the weekend. And Buffy's like, I think brooding is his default setting. Is this Angel now? They both brood a lot. I'm kind of with Buffy on that one. And they're all like, wow, Dylan, you're so talented as an artist. And Spike's like, I can see that your style has grown and matured a lot. You knew her for two days. <laughs> Sound like me now. Oh, that's not great. And Dylan just goes, of course, you know, the things have changed. I'm not the same person I was when we first met, you know, and I'm sure you two aren't either. What a weird thing to say to them. We're really dwelling on this in the last couple of arcs. And Dylan offers them a free piece of art for no charge because Spike inspired her to grow and change. So they take the art, which would be a weird thing to hang. Like, imagine if an ex of mine was like, please, take this piece of art. I worked on it for a really long time, and it's deeply personal to me. I want you to hang it on your wall. I'd probably be far more fine with it than you, but you'd be like, takes up comic page space. No, that's weird. Well, whatever. They aren't even exes. Didn't we talk about that? Yeah. They're mild acquaintances. And we never see Dylan again. Really? Yeah. Yay! (laughs) Great. I just, I just didn't like that she basically had no personality and instead was entirely an outside force designed to say these things at Buffy and Spike. And it made that Spike graphic novel canon. Yeah. So they return to their separate apartments 
I guess they're not staying together tonight. And Buffy goes back to the subject of Willow. She's like, what am I going to do about Willow? And Spike just says, hey, you know what? You can talk to her. She's like, she's not really home that much anymore. Well, just, you know, she lives there, so she'll be back at some point. Like right now when Buffy opens the door. And Buffy's like so shocked to see her. She literally lives there, Buffy. It's not that weird. And then we see, pacing-wise, I'm not a big fan of this. Because we got basically the same interaction. Just replace Willow with Angel. Yeah. Almost the exact same thing happens. Like, they go to each other. They both start talking almost at the same time. And then they stop. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they hug him. Like, yeah, I just, just saw this. But it was Angel instead of Willow. Yeah. And they're like, look, I know we've been through a lot. And I know we've changed a lot. But let's be best friends forever. The end. Nothing for best friends. Oh, is that what you actually said? Yes. I just changed it to friends <laughs> in my head. That's what I called that last episode, by the way. I figured it was. And then they get to have some ice cream together. Because everything is resolved. And they're definitely just not going to be bickering again as soon as the next issue starts. Yay for ice cream. Yay for bickering. So we move on to part three, and we have an artist change with Megan Levins. And we're starting out in Oakland, in Andrew's apartment. You know, it never made the cut. No one knows. Ah, but it brings me joy every time. Maybe we'll, when we do like our last episode, we'll say what (laughs) (laughs) what that was. I don't know. I promise nothing. (laughs) And he has the holographic projection of Jonathan in his room, and Jonathan is insulting Andrew, saying that he spends too much time on Grindr to make a body for him. You know what? One was grinder made. Should have done this before. We're doing some fact checking right now. Hope my battery lasts. I'm doing one basic thing. I don't know what this is going to do for um, my targeted ads on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know. They're always watching. Oh, 2009. Way earlier than I thought. Hmm. Wow, so you're going to be much less bitter about this than you would normally be. That was like 2014. And also, they say the new season of Doctor Who. They don't say which season. Okay, cool. You know what? I retract some of my previous complaints. They were only to me, so. No, they were under the recording. Oh, okay. And Jonathan says that in his digital consciousness, he's gone in and checked this guy out. And he's a fogey. He only cosplays to get guys. He's never even read a Nightwing comic. I definitely heard fogey, not phony. Fogey. Like an old man. He's a fogey. And a phony. No, he's a faux geek. Nightwing is also a weird bar to have for, like, if you like comics or not. Well, Look, we let's... just rewatched the Lego Batman movie, and I could identify Nightwing, so but, like, I mean, good job, me. Look, let's be real. The number of good writers that have been on that book forever is less than half. Sorry. Not really. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, no, there's definitely been good runs on it, but it's a real hit and miss book. It's a hard character to do. He's well-adjusted Batman. What makes Batman interesting is that he's damaged. He can't get over the death of his parents. But Batman is always struggling. He has issues, like horrible, deep-seated problems. Nightwing is a version of Batman that got over everything, and he's fine, and he's well-adjusted, which unfortunately makes him less interesting to read on the page. In real life, would be much better, but in fiction, less interesting. Okay, but why is he a grown man in tights and a mask, then? Because he has the best ass in the DC universe, well-established. Number one, weird thing to establish. Number two, still not normal to run around in tights in a mask. Don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It was the circus, man. They did him wrong. That was unrelated to this comic. So, going back to Andrew and Jonathan. Out of nowhere, the sculptor has sent part of himself, or one of his minions, it's not really clear how that works, ahead of himself. Ahead of himself? Like A H E A D or A space H E A T. You know, the joke works either way. I guess it was only I guess it's only a joke one way. <laughs> I guess it's only a joke when they're together. Yeah, sure. And it is literally a head that is walking down the stairs into his apartment. On fingers. Yeah. I guess because the sculptor like can control any like dead flesh. What counts as flesh seems to be pretty vague and broad because 
This is a skull covered in flesh that has teeth and eyeballs and all of the little fingers that are walking it along all have fingernails. So flesh is a pretty broad term here. But it doesn't, it looks more like skinless Warren than But he also doesn't have a nose, so he can deal with teeth and eyes, but a guy who's controlling flesh can't make a nose? But what's really strange is we have the kind of little head walking down the stairway, and then from behind the stairway, the sculptor walks in. How did he get in that building? I don't know, but I like how he greets Andrew with, Greetings, Flesh. So Andrew does the obvious thing and chucks a throwing star at him. Doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's fair. And the sculptor wants to make a deal with him. So the sculptor says to Andrew that if Andrew will bring him the scythe, all that Andrew desires shall be his. Which is a weird thing to offer somebody. It's incredibly vague. We've dealt a lot both when the show is on and in the books many, many times of Andrew making... Um, bad decisions when he's trying to do like a big greater good but this is super vague it just says get me the scythe and you can have stuff yeah and later on when i was reading when we come back to it i do a lot of going back and double checking things like did i miss something no i mean just before (laughs) this they were talking about the fact that jonathan doesn't have a body and andrew really wants to make him a body of some sort but that's not the only thing that andrew wants yeah and later on there we'll get to it he's just like hey remember stuff yeah, it's just a... It's a weird way to try and manipulate someone. Like, I'll do things for you, I guess, but betray all your friends. Speaking of all of his friends, we cut to a battle inside the Hoover Dam. Wow, I didn't even notice that, but that's so totally true. So... They're fighting the Kraken. Basically, our super friends are hanging out with de Hoffren and some of the council. And they're fighting the Kraken. Yeah. Big old squiddy guy. And they're not doing much. Buffy's... Buffy's scythe is effective against him, but that's about it. Everyone else is kind of meh. And Willow and DeHoffren are able to open a portal so they can send the Kraken back to hell from whence it came. Yes. From Hell's Heart to Apathy. I don't know. I'm going places. Well, no, because they say that it's actually really important to the ecosystem from its homeland. Yes, they're not going to kill it. And they're ready to shove it back through the portal, but Buffy's like, um, he still has me. In his grasp. Yeah, his tentacles have me. But with Spike's help and the ghosty lady who can fly. She's, she was a bride who was murdered. Yep. They save Buffy and the scythe and they come back to solid ground. And Hoffman's like, meh, if you would have died, it wouldn't have been that bad. Like, um, you would have been a martyr. We're not focusing on my favorite one of the council. Yes. Her name is Kiko? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Kiko. She Who's fl- the flying bride yeah. lady. She flies Spike and Buffy away and she just goes... Do not tear my wedding dress, or I shall have your soul from my dowry chest. And she has more fun lines later. I just like her. And to that, Spike just says, gotcha. Cheers, Kiko. So Buffy is yelling at DeHoffrin for, you know, being like, it's fine if you die or whatever. And he's with Willow, who a helicopter comes down with Lake, her new girlfriend. Slash boss? Co-worker for sure. It's an HR nightmare. Really is, yeah. And Buffy and Willow start squabbling again. You know that thing they resolved a few pages ago. Okay, but literally the entire, what season are we on, 10? Yeah. The entire 10 seasons are Buffy and Willow squabbling. Um, And they're all arguing, like, hey, we're all on the same side. But then Willow gets into a helicopter and just, the helicopter flies away and they continue having a conversation like that's possible. Yeah. I mean, one of the more emotional scenes of the entire Buffy show is Buffy trying to yell at Riley while he flew away in a helicopter. And in this, they just keep on talking. Well, like it's can. nothing. You know, they fix helicopters. You can hear over them now. Okay, great. It's one of those silent helicopters. Yeah. And Willow leaves because they're fighting for some reason. Honestly, it's kind of vague. But DeHoffren shows up. He's like, once again, I remind you that you possess the vampire book. 
The laws of this world's magic are yours to shape. Your refusal to add power has crossed the line from principle to stupidity. Kind of agree with him. Yeah, it really has. They refuse to work together very well because Buffy's still mad at Willow for working for the government. And they're kind of stretched thin. Portals are being opened all over the world. Demons are pouring in. And the council doesn't have the demon power to send them all back. Yeah. From whence they came. Good use of whence. Thank you. You're welcome. And so de Hoffren has an idea. What if you granted powers to the different offices of the council? And so the people who were in those offices would have the powers while they were in the offices. But if they left it, they would lose the power. Yeah. It's... And the power would be passed on to the next person in the office. And if somebody in the council dies, then the power gets absorbed by the other. That particular power gets absorbed by the other people in the council until a new person can be appointed in a checks and balances kind of way. And the rest of the council agrees. They're like, like that plan. Yeah. And Buffy says that she needs to double check with Giles when they're all teleported back to Buffy Willows and Dawn's apartment, where, as we've now just given up on a timeline, 35-year-old Dawn is studying with a bunch of 18-year-olds. Weird. And they have, like, on a the, psych... In their undergrad degree. And they have, like, a psych 101 final. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, right? Weird. Precious. And they all show up in the apartment, not just Buffy and Spike, but the entire council, and they're like, oh, this is weird. But Buffy and the council all leave, and they're like, psychology is the right major for you. Yeah. Deal with your childhood trauma, Don. Pretty much. Poor Don. But I do think it's funny that Buffy's like, hey, guys, we're just going to leave you with your study group. That's really important. And we're just going to go over next door to our other magical apartment. And Why don't you just teleport there in the first place? And one of Don's study mates, who we're going to say is from ages 18 to 22, is like, your sister's hot. Single. And since we're, you know, just going with the timeline, just kept on a roll. And Buffy's about 40 now, so weird guy. Yeah. I gave up. On the timeline? I just gave up trying to make it work. It doesn't. Yeah, that's all you have to do. It's kind of like a Simpsons thing. We go back to Oakland where the sculptor is still trying to tell Andrew of the amazing deal. Jonathan's like, hey, you can get me a new body because, you know, hologram. Yeah, you literally stabbed me in the back. I do like the sculptor's dialogue. The small one speaks truly. <laughs> Insulting. Unnecessary. Yeah, and Annie's like, hey, so I'll give you a replica scythe. It looks really similar. I'll put some nice, you know, glamours upon it. And she'll never know the difference. I mean, it won't work as well, but she won't really think anything of it. And I'll have the real one. So no big deal. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Don't worry about why I need it. And what's really weird is he's like, you know, if you give Buffy this fake scythe, it will level the playing field. Does it really level the playing field? This seems to be the one thing that they're able to kill these big demons with. How does it level the playing field versus just give the other team the advantage? Yeah, especially because the demons just keep pouring in problems all over the place. <laughs> Says to Andrew, you talk about redemption, wanting to make up for things you've done. This is your chance. How? Where? Why? Also, how do you know that, Sculptor? How is redemption betraying your friends for vague stuff? Yes. We're assuming that it's going to get Jonathan's body back, but the vague way that he phrased it means that all sorts of things could happen. Yeah, this could have been tightened up with some specificity. Yes. To make me buy it more. Versus things! And we go back to Giles' apartment where he agrees that the council should have different powers. And look, they're... We don't need to go over them. Everyone basically gets a power boost that will fit their specific kind of power set. Yeah, and it, it's really nice. Giles is particularly interested in the fairy ladies' yeah. power boost. It turns out that there is a realm of fairies that's been helping the council that exist in a different realm. And they're like, hey, thanks for you know agreeing to give us powers. If you want, you can come over to this other realm where we will appreciate you for the content of your character 
And not the physical age you currently happy to be. And Jazz is like, right now? Can I go, like, right now, right now? And they're like, sure. Everybody else is like, is that such a great idea to send Giles to a whole new realm all by himself? He's just a little boy. He's like, I'm an adult. I'm going right now with the pretty fairy lady. Yeah. Look, basically, Giles is just going to get laid. Anyway, moving on. That's what he's doing. Back to Spike and Xander's apartment. Actually, it's Spike's room where Buffy is. There as well. It'd be funny if it was just like a studio. The kittens are there too. That'd be a lot funnier if they just had a studio apartment with two beds and Buffy stayed over all the time. It would be super weird. It would be hilarious. It would be really weird. And then one of my favorite touches of this season, both on this side of of the world and the Angel side, we've seen both Spike and Angel in stretchy waistband pajama pants. (laughs) <laughs> Which is something we never saw before, and I just enjoy it. Because especially for, like, guys who just, like, wear, like, a lot of black and leather, and they're always, like, trying to look <laughs> silly and epic, and they're just like, here are my jammies. <laughs> they're cozy and plaid. <laughs> I also really like that the kitten theme has continued all the way through. Yeah, no, the kittens didn't go anywhere. And they shouldn't. And, you know, they go to bed and wake up the next day, and Buffy's like... Oh, hey, let's go to this restaurant I've always wanted to try. And Spike's like, why? I don't really eat. I mean, I can go hang out. She's like, no, what's the point? She's like, oh, would you like to go for a run? I haven't seen the sun in a while. I was like, yeah, me, me either. What with the whole vampire thing? And she's like, oh, I hope we can have a normal relationship like everyone else. Okay. Also, also, Buffy has been aware of vampires for a very long time now. <laughs> she's, she's dated them for many years. She's dated two of them, yeah. I feel like these are not new rules. And also, they can come up with things to do that don't involve food and sunlight. Go to a movie. Like, do things. You don't just, I don't know. It feels like a it feels like a weird hurdle to add into their relationship to be like, oh man, the vampire thing is really hard. It's kind of the whole point. Buffy goes on a run where she sees other couples walking along, both young and old, and she realizes that she can't have those things with Spike. And we flash back oh so briefly, to that stupid robot abortion thing where Spike is saying to Buffy, I want normal too and I want it with you, but they can never have it. Also, don't remind me of the robot abortion thing. But the other thing too is that like, we don't ever have days like that. Don't bring our relationship into this. No, but like normal people don't. Like that's not, do you know what I mean? Like that is a very (laughs) idealized like, oh, let's wake up in the morning and not have anything ahead of us. So let's go out to breakfast and then we'll go for a run. Then we'll go do, I mean, not that that never happens, but. It's not an everyday. It's not an everyday thing. And they're trying to phrase it like that's the normal, like that is the normal thing that like on a casual Wednesday, you can wake up and be like, let's go to breakfast and then we'll go for a run, which is a terrible order of things. Yeah, I suppose. You just puke it all up. I guess do it the other way. Yes. (laughs) And then Andrew breaks into Buffy's apartment where he finds the scythe in the relatively lacking weapons cabinet. They have like four weapons. Get more weapons. I'm assuming that there are more and we just can't see them. And he sees the scythe, kind of face palms himself and just goes, I'm so sorry. You actually face palm yourself the other day. And I can't remember what it was about, but it was the first time I'd seen somebody face palm themselves since 1994. And then we smash cut to Andrew in a cemetery, a circle of life eco cemetery. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. And he says that he has the scythe and his part of the bargain is fulfilled, you know, for stuff. Yeah. But the sculptor says, oh, look, here's your buddy. We put his little digital chip inside this other body that just looks like him, but taller and buffer. And Jonathan is pleased about this. He's like, look at me, big boy now. 
Yeah, and and the sculptor's like, so basically, if you break my connection with him, he will die all over again because I am infusing him with power to keep this body alive. If you betray me, I'm going to kill him again. And Andrew's like, "Uh, oh, I already betrayed you. And everyone steps out from behind assorted objects, you know, trees, crypts, graves. It's confusing. I guess they were all just lying there in wait behind things. Forever. Yeah. And Buffy has the real size and Andrew has the fake fake one. And they all attack the sculptor and Jonathan's like, you lied and now I'm going to die. So he does the most aggressive attack possible and slaps Andrew. Yeah. And runs away. Andrew's very sad, as you would be, when you have, you know, for the second time, denied your friend of a body. And potentially killed him for the second time. Yeah, right. And he runs away, and then they just kill the sculptor pretty quick. With the real scythe. Yeah. Buffy and Willow tag team it. She kind of zaps the scythe with some power. Scythe? The scythe? Yep. Yeah, the whole scythe. And Buffy sipes him in half. With a swoosh. And they're like, yay, we finally got one. He contributed so much. And Andrew was sad that he betrayed Jonathan, even though it was super vague. So, yay. Yeah. Moving on to part four of this story. Giles has returned from the land of the fairies with a new girlfriend. And a flower in his hair. I enjoy the flower. Damn hippie. Looks very Moana-esque. And his new fairy girlfriend is pretty cute. She has bright green hair. And a flower in her hair. And a flower in her hair, so they match. And Giles is like, hey, you know, it's really hard to get back and forth from dimensions to the fairy land right now, so let's just take a quick little scribble in that book and make it so I can just hop over there and get laid whenever I please. And Buffy is a resounding no. No. She says that she doesn't want to make it easier for him to canoodle with his girlfriend. And? I do love the use of the word canoodle. What is Giles' response but some massive side eye? (laughs) Well, then he goes, I have put up with so much of your relationship crap, it's not even funny. Which really is true. Fair. But? I feel like Giles should have backed Riley more than he did. (laughs) I know. The normal one ish i like riley but there is a natural gateway that they can get over to the fairyland and apparently they'll just uber their way over to when did uber start oh no hopefully also in 2009 you weren't even upset about this one i look up uber on google and the first thing that shows up is lyft they are putting some money into their ads damn it 2009 yes good job book more like good job writers who is this one Christos. Christos. Nice job. And Giles leaves and slams the door with only one M this time. Slam. I like it better with two. Yeah. And Buffy goes to complain to Spike because she lives in his apartment now, mostly, kind of, sort of. Uh And she's like, we're all falling apart. It's the end of the world. And Spike's like, yeah, except this time it's more that life is getting in the way. And Buffy gives him side eye. Although I really like this season as a whole, life getting in the way feels a little too season six for my taste. It also feels a little too real, I guess. Like, I don't want that in my fiction. They're literally fighting demons. I don't want there to be realistic But they're metaphors. I don't care. For life. So? Let them be metaphors. Don't actually put life in there, too. And it turns out one room over, Ghost Anya is sitting there with Corporeal Xander, and she has her head sticking through the wall and is watching the entire exchange and saying that, like, Buffy's getting upset and then Spike is trying to backtrack so he can try and get laid. Which is funny and also creepy to think that Ghost Anya could have been doing that at any point in time. Yeah. And Xander is forlorn. Yeah, with a kitten, though. They have so many cats. They do. But he's just really upset because he knows that Ghost Anya isn't really Ghost Anya. That it's Ghost somebody, but that Anya is at peace somewhere. And Anya jokes, she's like, oh, are you breaking up with me? And he looks sad. She's like, oh my god, you're breaking up with me. And he goes, no, it's not like that. I've been talking about you with Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike, who I was convinced is going to be a character, but never was. Yeah. And that he says, you know, I just need to ignore you now, and I'm going to pretend you're not there. 
because he wants Anya to be able to find out who she really is. And Dr. Mike told Xander that in his professional opinion, their attachment was making it impossible for ghost Anya to find out whose ghost she really is. And Xander starts playing on the PSP, it looks like. And ghost Anya just starts yelling at him. She's like, Xander, you can't do this to me. I'm already so, so lonely. Xander, please. And Xander cries a single sexy tear, which works because he only has one eye. Wow. Wait. Hang on, what if, if you lost an eye, would you still lose the ability to cry out of the other one? Well, your tear duct, it depends on if your tear duct was impacted, right? I don't know. I don't either. I don't feel like double checking this. I just look up when companies were started. Okay, great. 2009. Turns out everybody started in 2009. Everyone's tear ducts started in 2009. Yep, that's what we just learned. Then we go over to Buffy's bed, because she's left Spikes and gone back to her own, where she is playing with Giles' glasses, thinking of days of yore. Yes. And in pops DeHoffrin. And he's just projecting his head, and he's like, hey, we found the restless story. Get your band of merry who's-its to follow, and we got some things to kill. So our heroes show up with lots of weapons, crossbows, etc. to go <sighs> kill some things. I hope they can fight as a cohesive unit because there's been so much infighting. Oh, man. And the soul glutton attacks with his giant trident that apparently grows with him for some reason, let's say magic. Makes sense to me. I feel like that's the excuse you could use in this world all the time. Like, why doesn't it work? Magic. Magic. It's like I'm stealing that. There was um, a Simpsons episode that had Lucy Lawless on it who played Xena. And they had her at a con. And, like, people were asking her, like, super, like, specific questions of, like, continuity errors. And every time she just went, wizard did it. Like, but nope, wizard did it. If something doesn't line up, oh, wizard did it. I feel like you could use that same logic in this book. Oh, you totally could. Because, wizard did it. Because the magic can do pretty much anything that you want it to do. It's not like... It's plot convenient magic. Wizard did it. It is, yeah. I mean, like, Harry Potter magic is very similar in that way, that you can find a spell to do pretty much whatever you want. And the soul glutton attacks. And they attack him right back. And it turns out it's not just the soul glutton that's there, but the mistress as well. Who's also giant for some reason. I feel like she's not normally that big, but maybe I'm just wrong. No, she put on some weight. And so she, the mistress picks up Giles. Spike cuts him free, where the, she then grabs Xander and Spike, who appear to be trying to attack her. Lock that away in your brain. Yep. And we see that the restless door has opened a portal to some kind of hell dimension. And despite zapping it with a crossbow and Andrew's laser? I don't know. I don't he has a laser things. gun. Yeah, it's magic. Wizard did it. Yep. And we found the title for this episode. So everybody's just trying to fight everybody else. The soul glutton's huge right now because he ate, like, a Souls. Silicon Valley company or something. And Giles... Kind of levitates Buffy up to his head, because as we established earlier this season, hit it in the head. Yep, and so she does, and on the scythe. Except I don't like the art here, because she's really choked up on the handle of the scythe. She's putting the axe in his head from a point where she would have zero power in that swing. No, I saw that too. I thought it looked weird. I don't like it. Yeah, well. And then Giles goes to Spike and Xander, who, if you go back one whole page, seem to be fighting. He goes, as for you two... Her subsonic songs is clouding your minds. See if this helps. Okay, think back to when we first met the mistress and... and She controlled Spike and Xander with... Right, because they were taken in by the sirens. Yeah, and then they were like jumping around in their underwears having a pillow fight. And then they got controlled themselves again. In this, they seem to be fighting just fine. And the art and the dialogue don't match up with what Giles does. Right. It's weird. And then they continue to fight as they were before and stab her and she runs away. Yeah, it's just bizarre because it was such a huge deal before that she was controlling them. And she could do it instantaneously as well. It was not like, I don't know, a difficult task. 
And so things are not going well for our team. Yeah, the soul glutton drops some rocks on Willow and Don, and Buffy dives down. Again, somehow, a rock that is 10 feet away from Don, and Buffy's about 30 feet away, is able to save Don in time from the rocks. Magic. Wizard did it. Gravity Man doesn't exist in this world. Haha, <laughs> okay. Uh-uh. And Don gives a weird line. She goes, it's okay. I've got my big sister looking out for me. Who talks like that? Don, the irritating one. But no one says that. It's like weird, unnecessary dialogue. Okay, no one's ever in this position, though. I'm just going to steal a bit from the guys who do like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. They always like do a joke of like how to do expository dialogue. And like the reference they always go to for like what not to do is like, how long have we been brothers? Like that kind of thing. That's what this feels like. Oh, it totally does. And the Soul Glutton's like, oh, a Slayer's family member. Well, a Slayer killed my family, so now I'll kill you. And he tries to, you know, swallow her soul. And for some reason, Don's being the key shrinks him down to nothing. I feel like I don't need to give you another explanation there. That one is legitimately that a wizard did it. That one a wizard did do it. That one a wizard did do. Yeah, so Don effectively brings him down to size so that they can kill him. Convenient. Plot twist turn. But instead, they escape somehow. Again, this really comes down to comics, for the most part, should be show, don't tell. But if you're going to show me something, I need to know what I'm looking at. Yeah. And the mistress goes, how rude. And something black happens. Is it smoke? Is it ink? Because she's kind of it's. I think it's ink. That's my philosophy. And Willow goes, if you think this will hold us for more than a second, but I don't know what's holding them. Doesn't really seem to be anything. It's just kind of like, oh, no. This inky shadow. Something kind of black and smoky, roughly waist high, is in our way. Okay. Yeah. Coming down hard on this arc. I know. It's not a bad arc. There are just some odd points. But to help with their escape, the soul glutton takes his now tiny trident. Wizard did it. Yep. And stabs the restless door, destroying it. But when destroying the restless door, the portal stays open. Yeah, to this hell dimension. It's only going to expand and the world is doomed because, you know, big open portal. Right. So we've been here before in this world. Either all the monsters will come in through the portal or the portal will just keep expanding until the two worlds are effectively merged. Yep. And they run away and they don't know how to effectively close the portal forever. They can't do it from their side. Because they made it so it's next to impossible to open and close dimensional gateways. The restless door was the only thing that was doing it. And the only way they could close it is if they went to the other side where those rules don't exist. They're like, but how do we even close the portal? It's not like we have some kind of mystical key that can open and close doors. Oh, wait. They all look at... The key. The Giles. Umad. They all look at Don. We start our next issue with dialogue that... I know, you always have to like go with the assumption that people don't... Know the material, but really is this book picking up new readers? I'm sure a couple, but Dawn has to expose it. She's like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm the key. A ball of mystical energy meant to open and close dimensional gateways. Okay, so here's my bigger problem with Dawn's exposition. This one, sure. If you just started reading the comics, while it's been brought up that Dawn is the key, it's not really huge. I mean, I guess that was a pretty big part of last season when she was fading away, literally. But it really bugged me the sisters one a lot more. Yeah, I guess. Because that one is far more obvious and brought up and we talked about it like last arc with Buffy and Dawn's dad. I don't know. The key thing is needs more explanation than you're my sister. Anyway, moving back to this. Dawn is the key to yep. Little Larry, to, to everything. 
and they decide that they all have to go over to the other side, and Giles drops some knowledge that if they go over to this nearly pure magic land, that Don should be near omnipotent and have great godlike powers, and to that I say nay. To that you say, wizard did it. Yeah. But Don, earlier in the page itself, she's like, oh yeah, I was just a ball of mystical energy, which is all we've ever known about the key, and Giles is like, what you may not have known is that she's a god. In this specific hell dimension. Cool. Convenient. I'm always for the idea of, like, when you have a story, like, you, if even if you have, like, pre-established stuff, innovation is always a good idea. Move something forward, just don't do the same crap. But at least give me a reason. Yeah, or at least a little build-up. Like, last season when she was the key and she was fading away, it would have been super convenient to be like, oh, what are her, you know, because she's the key, can that help us? In it? You know, like, come yeah. up with some things. And basically, if they go over to the other side, Dawn could close the portal, but she won't be able to reopen it because the restless door is gone. But they all decide to go over anyway, just, you know, see what's going on. To make sure the demons aren't trying to pop through. And hey, it turns out there's a whole bunch of them. And they are trying to pop through. And Andrew has to pee. Yes. And so... I mean, if you... You know what? If you're going into a life or death battle, do it before. Probably, yeah. Even if you don't have to go, at least try. Because you're going to have to pee in the middle of the battle. Yeah. And then where will you be? No one's going to leave you alone so you can go pee. That would actually be the worst death. (laughs) Time out. I need to pee. (laughs) I was peeing. But anyway, so this giant demon comes forward and he's like, little puny humans. He actually, he has a really cool design. I kind of wish he got to hang out for more than three seconds because he does look pretty cool. Yep. And Willow tries to zap him with her magic and she's like, my magic doesn't do anything over here. Nothing's happening. And then Dawn becomes a god and zaps him to death. And She all... levitates too, which is kind of cool. She can fly. Yeah. And then shoots some green energy at him. He turns to dust and all the other demons go. Bye. Oof. Gotta, gotta go. We've gotta pee. Yeah. They all have to pee. Time out. And then they have a quick little power. Like, what are we going to do here? And, you know, long story short, it's not that long of a story, I suppose. And if we're here to actually commentate and reiterate, yeah, I guess we can do a hair. Giles is like, we need to leave Dawn behind. Once we get back to the other world, we have the vampire book. We can find a way to get her back. But in the meantime, Willow and I can't keep this contained. And it's going to be the end of the world. And Giles says that you can't swan dive this problem away. Right. And Buffy... Puts up a fight, as she would. But she really quickly realizes that there is no other option. She has literally no other option. She can't close the portal from the other dimension. And she needs to really be in the real world to Solve the problems. And then something that I really like here, for as hard as I've been coming down on this arc, the writer clearly knows the characters, like, inside and out. And the character who puts up the biggest fuss over this is Spike. Which totally lines up with his character. I also like that you called it a fuss. He does kind of put up a fuss. Because he even understands the practicality and the necessity of it, but he's like, I can't I can't just let this happen. How do you just let this happen? He's a character who, I mean, he's totally run on emotion. He's not, you know, hard overhead kind of guy. I liked having Giles back. This was, this was one of my more grateful Giles moments, because this is a Giles-type decision. Yeah, it seems um, very much in, like, what we saw from like, like Watchers when he in ben. Yeah, I mean, it's something you'd see from Wes, something you saw from Giles. They both had some very similar traits of kind of, like, the big picture kind of guys. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, the killing Ben thing was the one that popped into my head during this whole exchange. Ben is glory? Bringing it back. Anyway, because of the obvious 
Yeah. But Giles is willing to say and do the things that, that nobody else wants to say or do for the good of the world, not necessarily for the good of their little band of merry men and women. And Buffy's like, all right, if Don's staying, I'm staying. And Giles is like, absolutely not. Like, you're the, the general. The whole point is that you can't stay. Yeah. And instead, we hear a little voice peek up from the corner of this hell dimension, and it's Xander. And he's like, hey, so I'm not really needed on Earth. I don't have a job, and I don't have a girlfriend, and I don't really have anything except for Ghost Anya that none of you know about. So I guess I'll stay behind. Yeah, so you need a companion. I'll be your companion. I promise it'll just be friendship, and we'll hang out for a little while until they can figure out how to get us back, but I have every faith that they will get us back. I do like his line. You're my friend. Friends don't let friends stay in hell alone. That's a good line. I also really like that he is going there knowing that he can't really do anything to protect himself over there and totally trusting Dawn to protect him. I mean, she is a god in this world, but like he's literally choosing to stay in a hell dimension without having any sort of means of self-protection. <laughs> in this world, he is the damsel in distress. And he's okay with it. And I really, I love Dawn's reaction to this whole thing. There's no fight from her. She's like, I want to do this. I want to be able to save the world like all of you have many, many, many times over. So this is something that I can actually do. I I will do this. And then when Xander offers to stay with her, she also graciously accepts that. She's not like, no, don't stay. Go back with everybody else. She's like, I would welcome that. And Xander also says, you know, it's not just about protecting you. It's about me too. I need kind of a break from life to take a hard look at myself. And maybe I'm going to rock you forward this run up some mountains and go Drago! I don't, I don't want Xander to be Rocky. In all fairness, the next arc, he has about the same number of muscles. I really like Rocky. It's not that I dislike Xander that much, but I just, Xander's not really an inspirational sports movie. I don't know. If he listens to enough Survivor, he might get there. Is that what the hell dimension is? No, it's just what Rocky listens to. Montages. Got that high at the Tiger Rock. Anyway. And then Hearts on Fire. Ooh, we could use that one for him. Anyway. The other Survivor song. Maybe it's Freedom. Eye of the Tiger, Hearts on Fire. Oh, this is going to bug me. I feel like there's a third. Whatever, moving on. So anyway, everybody else pops back through the barrier, through the portal. Um, but in floats Ghost Anya while that's all happening. Ghost Anya is yelling at Xander. She's like, oh, thank God you're near the portal again. You can hear me. You're the only one who can hear me. If you stay in this dimension, I can't go there. Yeah, she's like, I'm stuck on Earth. And this will be a fate worse than death because I'll just be screaming into the abyss. No one will know I'm here. He's like, sucks for you, Xander out. Not true. He just says, you know, I'll be back soon. I hope that you can figure out who you are and how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, nicer than my version. Yeah. And everyone parts ways, leaving Xander and Don in this dimension alone. And the first thing that Xander wants to do is get food. Fair. Leaving them with just one axe. Maybe give them some more supplies. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. They get back through. Buffy is falling apart, as she would be. She's crying two tears, not just a single sexy tear. So that means she's really crying? She's really sad. Like the crying emoji? She is the crying emoji. You played the emoji matching game yesterday. You even won it. Yeah, I beat a four-year-old. And a (laughs) 33-year-old. Kind of a four-year-old. And they all go home and everyone's sad. And to help comfort Buffy, Willow goes, look, I'll start researching this right away. While we're looking into getting Don and Xander back, the council can take down the soul glutton and the mistress. And Buffy, using words she should never ever use in this world, because come on, you know better. I wish they could. I wish they wipe them out without bothering us, because all I can think about is getting Don back. But somehow it's never that easy, is it? And who is listening in the background? But Ghost Anya, who just goes, wish granted. And turns into Ghost Anya, vengeance demon. Yeah, you know, the kind of scarry face. Yeah, it's gross. And we see the soul glutton has 
gluttoned up some souls because he's super tall again and the mistress is riding on top of him with that weird non-defined ink smoke stuff. Yep. And the Hoffer That stops up. everyone for some reason. For a second. Wizard. And she, Dehoffrin, she's a wizard. She is a wizard. Ursula is a wizard. And so DeHoffrin shows up. And immediately kills the soul glutton. He's like, I've never been so excited to grant a wish. Yeah. And the mistress is just like, oh good, you killed him. He was weak. We can be strong. Together we can take the vampire book and write all the laws of magic for ourselves. He's like, bitch, that's what I'm doing. And just zaps her. <laughs> and she's dead. So they're both dead. Life is great for Buffy. And Ghost Anya shows up. She's like, that is the cleanest wish I have ever done. Or maybe it would be if I was actually Anya. And then... DeHoffrin turns her into corporeal Anya. The wizard did it. And he goes, oh, by the way, I'm the big bad and I'm evil and let's go kill everyone. And she's like, sounds great. And that is the end of this arc. Kind of a mixed bag. I like Satsu returning. I like the awkwardness of it. I really enjoy Harmony whenever she shows up now for the most part. The idea of teaming up with the vampires, I think, is interesting as a whole, even though we saw that earlier in the season. Uh, I like Willow's new job. I like her getting to use both of her skills combined into one. And I also think it's interesting the idea of like everyone moving on and trying to fight for the greater good with the military and creating these kind of uneasy alliances. I don't like how many convenient, magical things happen. I don't like... I don't like Dylan. No, no. I don't like Andrew being offered things. Yeah, I have a hard time with stuff like that because that seems to me like an easy fix that just wasn't taken. It's not like the story got so big and out of hand that they had to do something weird and funky. It just went that way on its own. But on the whole, I like I like the concept. I like that Dawn is able to do something actually to save them. One of the things I, I don't like, and I think it comes down to creative teams the first two issues i had fewer issues with except for the dylan thing but i feel like what we see a lot of in the latter three which are kind of action heavy is kind of a disconnect between the artist and the writer and i feel like what's being said on the page is just not fully connecting with what's being displayed and i'm not sure if i think they're going off of a full script and doing that but it just feels like it, that there almost seem to be two different ideas of the narrative and i don't know it just does they feel disconnected which takes you out of the story yeah and i don't like to dwell on it but i as i've said before i'm not really a big fan of the fill-in artists they use this season and some of it's just the style i'm not a fan of but this is the first time where it's felt like there was a massive disconnect between the art and the narration. Yeah. I guess I guess that's what makes it harder. I don't know. I also wasn't... I like the whole of this arc. I think that there are a few places that are unnecessarily vague or not well explained or over explained. I feel like it could have been cleaned up. I feel like it just needed a second round of revisions. Uh, for me, I think ultimately what it comes down to is this season is a tighter season than last, or as a whole with Buffy and Angel. But Angel is going to be done after the next arc, and Buffy gets an extra five issues because it's, you know, your flagship book of these two. But ultimately, I feel like Buffy would have benefited from probably having five fewer issues and tightening it up a bit. Yes. Yeah, because these could really have been tightened up quite a bit. If this... You didn't really need three issues to get to leaving Dawn on the... Yeah, and we... In the Hell Dimension. And Xander, yes. We always forget about him. I like the twist that DeHoffren is the big bad. I do like that, too. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, because he's been kind of this gray area mainstay since, like, season three. Right, and for him to actually come out as, no, I'm legitimately going to be bad this season, as yeah, opposed cool. to just kind of annoying. But sometimes charming. Right. Yeah, so it's nice that this time he's just like, it's me now. 
I've been the super powerful evil guy who's been kind of there for a long ass time. And guess what? Evil. Yep. So I like that aspect of it. Yeah. And I, I also like that I can totally see it in retrospect, but I didn't see it coming. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. And we'll see his plan kind of come to fruition in the next arc. And I am excited about finishing this season. Yeah. Our next arc, it's a pretty strong finish. And I'm looking forward to finishing Angel as well. Yeah, I mean, our next, you know, after this, next two shows are finale ones. Yeah. And then we're on to the last season. The mm, latest season. Currently, yeah. But all in all, there's some cool things that, that were established. Good things happen overall. I like to Hoffman as the big bad. It just felt unfocused a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, this one probably could have been a three-issue arc or a four-issue arc, just as well as it was a five-issue arc. But if it doesn't work, a wizard did it. Yep, so there you go. <laughs> I'm glad we only just got to that now, because I feel like I'm just going to use that for the remainder wizard did it, I know. Show. I feel like all of these people <laughs> who are listening, they're going to be like, that's really irritating. You guys can stop now. <laughs> I'm renaming the show. We did it once. Wow, okay, cool. Wizard did it. That'd be a fun show. That would be a fun show. Do it just, I mean, just jumping all over different things of pop culture where continuity doesn't line up and just call it Wizard did it. I'm not going to do that show. I was going to say. Someone else can steal that idea. I don't care. You have too many, too many. Projects. Too many projects. Too many irons in the fire to do that show. (laughs) Yeah, someone can steal that Wizard did it. Please credit me. Hashtag. Hashtag Wizard did it. Wizard did it. (laughs) Where can you find us? Editorsnotecomics.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to get the show a whole week early, patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. A minimum of a dollar a month will get you us every single week early. Screwed up the end of that. Okay. And, of course, iTunes. And the always, always plug, if you could rate, review, subscribe. It might seem small, but honestly, every single one helps boost our visibility. We really appreciate it. And I guess, yeah, next week we're back to finish off Angel Season 10. What's up with that statue? What's up with Drusilla? Oh, Drew. Will Amy return as a rat? Hopefully never. No, is the answer. Spoiler. Yay. But yeah, we'll be back for that. So we'll talk to you then. Wizard did it. Bye.